Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Tom Curran's Patriots Talk Podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Tom Curran's Patriots Talk Podcast. We got so much to get to today, not just Bailey Zappi, but also the Bill Belichick end of season conversation. We're going to bring in Phil Perry to talk about this. But before we do that, yesterday on the game plan, we had a Chargers reporter jump in and, and talk about the possibility that Bill Belichick could wind up out there. And just listen to the amount of speculation. Entertaining, but again, we're just spitballing. Bill Belichick would probably be a good fit here. I'm here to tell you, he will never coach the Chargers because the Chargers are not going to pay a coach. Look at this offseason. Sean Payton was basically begging to come here and coach the Chargers. He wanted to work with Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen. Like You talk about generational talents on that side of the ball. He would even take a cut down to around $10 bucks a year, and the Chargers said no we're good. We're going to stick with Brandon Staley. In fact, their last three head coaches, Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn, and Brandon Staley combined, make about 11 and a half million bucks a year. It's simply not going to happen. All right, here's the Senator Phil Perry, who I'm going to enjoy so much riding side by each through the next, well, I always enjoy it, but for, through the next month and a half, it's going to be fascinating. Um, the speculation is rampant. It is, Tom. And so now we not only have teams where Bill Belichick might end up, but we're already crossing teams off the list, apparently. This is unbelievable to me. And so I respect and appreciate the opinion from L.A. right now, and certainly people who know the Spanos family would suggest something similar. Are they ever going to pay Bill Belichick? But, Tom, when you really dig into it, there might be an opportunity for Bill Belichick to go coach the Chargers and still get his money. This is just one of many fascinating wrinkles that relates to the story. Let's try and keep this as organized as possible with a chronological attack of how the situation will, not may, but will unfold with different opportunities and different scenarios. First, okay, fast forward to the end of the season, Phil. Perhaps say, Bill, we don't want you to coach anymore. Love you, mean it. It's time for a new direction. They pause. Bill says, cool, I'm done coaching, so can you pay me okay? I'm not going to work anymore. They work something out. Bill retires. Two, the more likely scenario, Bill says, okay, I want to coach, so fire me. I want my money, and I want to be a free agent. To which the crafts then say, hmm, you know, that's not going to work as well for us, Okay. We don't want to fire you. It's messy, and you don't deserve that. Plus, we got you under contract, and you're an asset to us. So let's find a spot that you want to be with a vacancy, and we'll see what they'll give you in return. That's where it gets interesting, right? 
No question, because if Bill Belichick wants to be the head coach of another team and he understands that the Crafts no longer want him to be the head coach, doesn't this get down to the nitty-gritty of his contract, Tom? Mm -hmm. Because what are the Crafts going to do? Threaten to prevent him from going elsewhere while somehow also not having him be the head coach and ostensibly the general manager, somebody who controls the Patriots 53-man roster? It's really hard to pull those things off, in my opinion, because there has to be something in Bill Belichick's contract that says, if I'm not the head coach, if I don't run the roster, that's a breach of my contract. You owe me that money, and you have to allow me to go elsewhere. That, that's what I would assume without knowing mm -hmm. the details of what's on the deal. There is the aspect, too, that and Mike McCann, our highly respected um, lawyer expert, legal expert, um, I reached out to him yesterday and he said, well, you know, they always could give him a promotion. They could bump him upstairs like they did with Red Auerbach. Now, he might have to agree to that, but if a promotion is a promotion and make him the overseer, or they could try and make things untenable with, okay, we're taking away this control, we're taking away that control, I'm the owner, I want, I'm want. i going to be in on every single meeting, I'm going to do this and that. It, they could make it difficult, but I don't think they're going to want Robert and Jonathan Kraft to have it be messy. Now, they'd be more inclined to not have it be messy because they're the ones making the request of Bill. Bill is the one who has money coming to him and is going to be scapegoated and told, yeah, you can't do this job anymore. So I think the Crafts will be more inclined to not make it messy. So could they possibly say, all right, Bill, you know what? We're going to go with you're fired. And you can go wherever you want, but we can get an offset on your salary. So we're supposed to pay you a hypothetical number. And again, we understand and know have reported that Bill's contract ends in 2024. Say it's for $25 million, We don't know that. But if you're going to go someplace else, we'll play 12 and a half and let the other team pay 12 and a half. Is that, though, something that you'd get another team to agree to? Correct. Or would they do what the Patriots have done, which is hire a Matt Patricia, hire a Joe Judge, pay them a salary commensurate with the job that they're doing, but it's not a 50-50 split. It's, no, you get paid for your gig, and then the other team makes up the difference. So if the Chargers, for instance, and I don't know exactly how much they're paying Brandon Staley right now to be their head coach, but say on average he's getting $5 bucks a year. Mm -hmm. could they make the argument no we'll we'll pay bill five million and sorry robert but you're going to make up the other 20 and that way bill gets made whole he becomes our head coach he gets to coach a quarterback who's pretty good he's going to help him towards that don shula record which he really would like to get and that's how we're going to go our separate ways and you're not going to get draft pick compensation and you're not going to be able to get a break on the salary either because he's under contract you are scheduled to pay him this amount and even if we're paying him a handful of millions of dollars, you're going to end up getting the bulk of it. And the Kraft family didn't get to be in a position to call these shots and own a team by getting absolutely roasted on deals. So, and we're talking charges right now. This is where it actually gets hard because we end up getting so caught up. And this is why I wanted to do this today. We get end up getting so caught up in the scenarios of where will Bill go that we're losing sight of the fact that the more difficult spot isn't finding who will have bill, but how the deal gets done. So 
what here are the elements that you need to find for Bill Belichick to coach in 2024 someplace else. You need to find him one, a place that wants Bill and will give him a deal for what I would say is at least three years at 72. Plus, all control, despite Bill's track record in the draft and free agency over recent years, and the wherewithal to sell Bill to their locker room, their fans, and their media. You got to find that place. And it also has to be a place that Bill wants to be. So, Tom, do, do the Chargers fit then? Because for me, they might. They might, again, if the financial piece to it is made more palatable for the Spanos family because Bill Belichick's getting paid at least for 2024. Who knows about if he wants a three-year deal? Who knows for 2025 and 2026? Maybe that makes that team not as much of a fit as it may appear to be right now for you and I. The only thing the Chargers have going for them is the quarterback. They don't have geography. They don't have, you know fan base they don't have the money what they got going for them is the quarterback and, and a pretty good roster that's aging at this point right Keenan it's an opportunity to win a significant number of games that also happens to have a head coaching vacancy we think yep right even though there might be according to adam schefter between seven and ten head coaching openings this offseason there ain't gonna be that many that offer bill belichick a real opportunity to pursue don shula so how much does this matter to bill that that's a factor for me. The other two teams that I would consider if I'm Bill Belichick, again, for these same reasons, I think he's going to want to go somewhere somewhere where he can win right away. Mm -hmm. And these two teams may not be looking for head coaches, but it's Buffalo yep. and Sean McDermott, whose team is 500 right now and doesn't seem to be on top of its stuff the way people anticipated. And the other would be Dallas with Mike McCarthy, who – appears to be doing a pretty good job down there right now. But if they get blown out in the first round of the postseason, is Jerry Jones not looking at it and saying, wait a second, I could have Bill Belichick, Coach Dak Prescott, one of the best defenses in football? Let's make that happen. Here's, you know, is Bill going to be of a mind, hey, man, I'll get in where I fit in? Or is he going to say, I can't work with Jerry Jones. I need him to dummy up, and he's never going to dummy up. I can't work there. Is he going to work with David Tepper? Again, that's a rebuild. But just for instance, the owner fit with Bill has to work because, as we'll play some sound from the 2000 farewell conference press conference with the Jets, the owner was what forced him out of New York, that uncertainty and the relationship that he wanted to get into with Robert Kraft here in New England. So we have to look at that owner relationship. I think the Pagoulas would be happy to have. But that brings us to the other conversation with the Bills. So if Bill is in a situation where Sean McDermott gets taken out behind the woodshed, and again, I don't can't imagine that Buffalo and the Pugulas would necessarily look at Bill and say, we need that guy when they're absolutely thrashing his forehead every single time with a newspaper when his team faces them. But if that were the case, the Crafts would say, look, we don't want him up in our face two times every season in the same division. No, you're not going there. So boom. Do you have to wipe those off the table and look at different settings and scenarios? That's why this is so fascinatingly difficult. All these different things need to be satisfied. You need a suitor. You need a place that's suitable for Bill. 
and you need the right compensation and situation for the crafts. I think number three might end up not being a factor. I, I really believe that. And I know what you're saying about the crafts are, are great business people and they're not in position typically to be getting screwed on deals. And I understand what Mike McCann is saying about, well, you could, you could give Bill a promotion. What would a promotion be? You're going to take him off the sidelines, give him less power week to week on game days. You're going to take some personnel power away when you're facing your most important draft pick, maybe since Robert Kraft took over the team and a free agent period where you have a hundred million dollars to spend. You're going to, how are you going to promote him and not allow him to control all of those different team building assets? Mm -hmm. Or are you willing to let him control those team building assets when you don't know what his future is beyond 2024? I just don't barring a raise and a continuation of the responsibilities that he already has. I don't know what a promotion would represent for Bill Belichick. Like he already has everything Bill Parcells had in Miami, mm -hmm. for instance, what more can you give him? And yeah, again, I, mean, I just don't well, think you, Bill you Belichick. Give him less. You give him less. That's the thing is he's already had an instance in this past off season where he had things taken off his plate. You know, you promote um, different people around him. For instance, he had taken off his plate, the opportunity to, to be, have complete and unilateral control over who his coaches would be to sure. an extent. Um, with the offensive coordinator ad. So it's that you start taking things off his plate to make it untenable. But that's, that's the interesting thing is the crafts are not going to want it to be a complete and total poop show. But will bill. He could. And that's why it's better to have him inside the tent. Peeing out than outside the tent peeing in, but can you force him to stay in the tent and continue no, to remove things off his plate? I don't think that's going to happen. That, that would be, to me, that would be the uh, a threat that, but it's not realistic. It's not realistic. It would be a threat. That's the only, that's only, it's, that's a, a recourse that the crafts could have. I can't imagine that they would try to make things untenable for bill because that will turn it into a poop show. But at the same time, the crafts have to feel a little bit hosed. You know, they give bill all the latitude in the world. They said he had the right to decide what he wants to do with this team and how he wants it done. And that he earned that they let him make the Brady call. They let him spend his $172 million in free agency. They let him do his thing with the coaches in 2022. They let him and all his cohorts alone on personnel and roster aside from asking for more collaboration and then demanding an offensive coordinator. So do they say, you know what? We've given bill all these things. And now he's going to leave Scott free wherever he wants to go. We have to pay 23 million of it. And the other place is going to give him 2 million. And we're not going to get any compensation at all. And Bill gets to take as much staff as he wants to. That's where indignation could rise. <clears throat> How much does the indignation over what Bill is leaving behind? Because I know for a fact, the crafts never expected this to turn into this kind of a situation. They didn't ever, you know, weren't in a position where they would even press Bill on what his long-term future was because they gave him the latitude. And also believing that whenever Bill decided to retire, because people presumed a retirement for Bill, not a divorce, he wouldn't want to leave it in such disrepair that he'd let them have plenty of time to figure out what they were going to do next. 
But now everything is accelerated to the point where a divorce is imminent. And if they feel as if, look, we gave him all that latitude and what did he do with it? That's what's really interesting. How indignant are the crafts about Bill in the compensation and the location as opposed to wanting to play nice and have it end smoothly so it's not a PR disaster? Like once you're in the hole as a franchise, might as well put down the shovel and stop digging. Well, and how willing is Bill Belichick to achieve a similarly smooth ending? Mm-hmm. Because I'm having a hard time envisioning, Tom, Bill Belichick finding a place where he would like to be, a place that wants him, a place that can sell him to the locker room, to the fan base, to the media, all those things that maybe can pay him beyond 2024 where the crafts might be taking on some of the costs there. Mm-hmm. How does he find that? And then knowing who he is as a competitor, knowing how close he is to this Don Shula record, then turn around and say, you know what? Spanos family or owner X. Let's go ahead and let's throw the crafts first or second round pick (laughs) because a generation working with those guys and history being what it is, it, it's only right, isn't it, that they get something for my departure? They didn't get anything for Tom Brady leaving. Yeah, I didn't really help that along. We got zero compensation for Tom. Could you imagine if the Crafts let both me and Tom walk out the door for nothing? That just doesn't seem right. So let's let's send him a very valuable asset that I could use to improve this team and improve my chances of getting more wins, just because it just feels like the right thing to do. I just I can't yeah. see him handling it that way. It's funny because when the the Parcells compensation was worked out, the Patriots got four draft picks back, but they were in descending levels of importance. First a fourth, then a third, then a second, then a first over the next four seasons, 97, 98, 99, 2000. If I remember correctly, I think I am. Um. Anyway, so that Parcells compensation coming back to the Patriots was – was that and the Jets compensation going back was a first round pick. I think they turned it into Sean Ellis, who eventually became a Patriot. Um, but it was important. I was told to me by Will McDonough at one point at that during that whole thing, I was like, you, You're gonna give up a first round pick for a coach? And he looked at me like I had nine heads. He goes, Coach controls everything. Of course you do. In football? Yes. I didn't yet understand how good a coach and how much a coach could matter. And that was in 1999 and 2000. So maybe Bill says, well, whatever. Let's send them the first. We'll, we'll, we'll be fine, and they're going to screw it up anyway. <laughs> Crafts will go, we won't screw it up. You're gone. Anyway, um, when we talk about the unseemly nature of what could happen, it's good to roll the clock back a little bit and just revisit January of 2000, almost 24 years ago, when Bill was named the head coach of the New York Jets, and then the next day, retiring. Here's Bill stepping down as head coach of the New York Jets. Monday morning, when I, when I talked to, uh, to Bill in his office, um, I again, for the you know, umpteenth time, I mean, Bill and I have had so many conversations about um, his future, his succession, his uh, the transition and, and so forth and so on. We've had so many discussions about it, and we've run through scenarios. And it seems like every time we talk, 
a new scenario takes place that's different from the one we had talked about previously. Um, there hasn't been a consistent pattern. Uh, and again, I, I'm not blaming anybody for that. That's nobody's fault. That's just kind of the way it's transpired. And when I brought it up to him again on Monday morning um, about the future of, of the organization and, and his future and my future and so forth, um, and the way he addressed the team, um, kind of the more he talked about it uh, and, and mentioned it, that kind of it kind of started getting me thinking about it, about, look, what, what really is at stake here? What do I need to do? What does this organization need? Uh, and what do I have to give it? My wife and my kids about it this morning and, and told them that I was uncertain uh, about whether or not I, I could make a commitment. So, Phil, you got Bill there. Never forget how unseemly and how humiliating and how difficult that was for the Jets. But, you know, is there an airing of grievances that looms for both of these sides? Um, you know, I'm sure both sides could share innumerable tales after a quarter century together that could make it hard and uncomfortable for the other side in trying to get their story out there. You know, if Hall and Oates could have a messy divorce in their old age, you, you know that the Kraft and, and Belichick could. Do you think that that's a priority? for both sides, a priority for both sides is keeping a level of dignity in this split. I don't know if it would be the priority for Bill. Mm -hmm. I think it's somewhere on the radar. I think the priority would be, and he might just say, this is, this is business as business is being done. Coaches get fired and hired every year. Mm -hmm. And if you have opportunities to go to the place of your choosing and you have the opportunity to make it as ideal a situation as it could possibly be based on geography, talent of the roster, compensation, relationship with the next owner, whoever that may be, then that's what you do. And you do what you can to end up where you would like to be. And maybe I'm not giving enough credit to how he envisions his legacy, maybe being impacted in terms of how he leaves the team that he helped bring so much success. But I, I think he, he wants to go somewhere where he's going to have success. And if mm -hmm. the options, Tom, are less messy, but less ideal of a situation for him, I think he would be willing to take on a little bit of mess. Yep. He'll jump in the mud. Or he'll take the slings and arrows from not jumping in the mud or being difficult. Because Bill can be difficult, although, bonus sound, I heard this in that 2000 press conference and I wanted to share it with you. This is Bill at the end of that press conference speaking to the media and letting them know that he is eternally available for one-on-ones. I know that there's probably a lot of you, um, you know, who have special requests and, and I'm just here to say that I'd like to cooperate with everybody, okay? Um, tomorrow, I'll have all the time on my hands that I need. I'll do one-on-ones, magazine, TV, radio, internet, conference call, whatever you want to do, okay? I'll be available 24, well, not 24 hours a day, but I'll be available quite a bit of the time. Now, even though my number's unlisted and I've changed it, Quite a few of you still have it out there. I'm not really worried about you being able to get in touch with me. Um, everybody seems to do a good job of that when they want to. So 
just just know that I'll, I'll be available there tomorrow for anybody who wants to talk to me or do anything, wh whatever it is. I mean, I know I haven't been available for a while, but I got nothing but time on my hands. Amazing. A treasure trove of sound from Bill that we'll probably delve into again. All right, Phil, we were in the locker room on ooh, Wednesday. You were able to buttonhole McCorkle. We also had an opportunity to speak with Juju Smith-Schuster and see Bailey Zappi come into the locker room smiling broadly. Here's Juju on Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham. Bonus. When we saw practice today, it seemed like Bailey was really taking all the reps that we saw. How did, how did he look at practice? He looked good. He looked good. Uh, you know, him going out there, you know, uh, making throws and – you know, moving the chain, moving the ball, we got on the field. Um, he looked good. How much of that change of the pace seeing Malik getting some reps? Uh, that's that's uh, another situation, man. That's a that's a, that's a dangerous dude right there. Um, it's him being in there. You know, he, he can do a lot of different things. You know, with the ball in his hand. All right, Phil Perry. There's Juju Smith-Schuster speaking about Bailey Zappi to me. I think it's the best part of this is we're about to get some closure on whether or not the kid can play for the next few weeks. Yeah. I think we just got some closure on Mac Jones and maybe the same is coming for Bailey Zappi. Honestly, you know, if you think you might have a backup quarterback in Bailey Zappi for the future, this is a good opportunity to try to find out. And if that's what you think he could be, Tom, in my opinion, you have to run a much more advanced offense than what we saw against the Giants last week. I mean, an average depth of target of 2.3 yards is not NFL caliber. That's seven feet. It's throwing it sideways. It's throwing it backwards. And that's about it. It's, it's inept. So is that the fault of O'Brien, the fault of Mac, the fault of the lack of protection, which you very well illustrate each week when you do your report card and you do it in the breakdown? I mean, you can't ask Bailey to start throwing downfield to receivers don't, that don't get available when your best one's going to be concussed this week, most likely, Demario Douglas. Imagine that we're saying Demario Douglas, six-round pick is their best receiver. And I like him. It's just there should be better guys. Do that as it may. What can you do? You can't, you can't just, you know, the thing only goes 48 miles an hour. You can't make it go 90. What's interesting, first and foremost, is that I've spoken to a number of pass catchers over the course of the last couple of weeks who would tell you that Bailey Zappi throws it harder than Mac Jones, which is a little bit surprising to me. Not that Mac Jones has a cannon of an arm, but I don't think Bailey Zappi does either. So the fact that it's noticeable to them is, is fascinating, but you're right. The deficiencies they have offensively in terms of their personnel dictates what Bill O'Brien can call. And mm -hmm. so he's looking at an offensive line that allowed five pressures on only eight true dropbacks less than a week ago. And he's saying, well, we can't have an NFL caliber drop back passing game here because we're going to get whoever's back there killed. It's just not feasible. Sorry, but you can do more. And they did do more with Mac Jones just a week ago than they did mm -hmm. with Bailey Zappi. So I'm not saying it has to be, Justin Herbert. I'm not saying it has to be Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. These guys are actually guys that have gotten a little bit more accustomed to throwing shorter mm -hmm. more regularly, but it can't be 2.3 yards down the field. It's got to be how, something more than that. 
How will Bailey Zappi play against the Chargers on Sunday? I bet he'll be over 200 yards, which is <laughs> so crazy. I bet he'll be over 200, 220 yards. I bet he'll put together a representative effort against the shit bum defense. It is a bad defense, and that's the reason why Brandon Staley, I think, is going to get blown out of there eventually. But 200, boy. You want to put 200.5 as the over-under for Bailey Zappi passing yards on Sunday? Yeah, I'll take the over. I'll go under. I will. Because I think this is going to be not quite the Buffalo windstorm game plan, but something close to it. (laughs) Because I think you're going to be able to run on the Chargers, and they have been able to run effectively with Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott, especially behind the right side of that line with Micah Wenu and City So on duo, these gap, the Patriots call it their gap play, run plays right up the gut downhill. Like they can do that. And I think they'll try to do that again and again and again. And maybe you'll hit a couple of play action passes. I don't know if it'll be enough for 200 yards though. I'm going to go under there. All right. Well, if he's not getting a 200, somebody's going to have to be getting some yards for that offense. Maybe it's time for a little bit of a week. What are you expecting to see from, the project out of Louisville between now and the end of the season. I would expect this Sunday for there to be a package of plays for him. And maybe it's about as extensive as it was in Vegas where he played three offensive plays. And one of them, he was just aligned out wide and did nothing on a goal line snap. Another, he was sacked uh, within three seconds of, of catching the football when he was actually playing quarterback, but they have to have something ready for him just as a little bit of a change up. And it looked like in practice, and what I was told after the media availability portion of practice was that Malik Cunningham continued to get quarterback snaps. So while the media was out there, it was Bailey Zappi getting the first reps, Malik Cunningham getting the second, Mac Jones watching. I was told Mac Jones played later in the practice, so he wasn't a spectator throughout, but Mark Daniels and Mass Live reporting that he was really only playing for the scout team. He was playing Justin Herbert in practice, while Malik Cunningham and Bailey Zappi played with the Patriots offense. So Mm -hmm. I think you have a package for him. And if it goes horribly for Bailey Zappi, Tom, it's not like he's a complete unknown. They've had him for two training camps. They saw him start last year and did pretty well. They've seen him play this year and not do so well. So if it goes horribly, it would not shock me if you see more and more Malik as the season wears on. How about Mac Jones? Will we see him again under center before the end of the season? Again, this is a prediction. I get pissed when I'm asked to make predictions. But what do you think the Patriots' preference is at this point? My prediction would be no that again, unless there's an injury or the performance is so bad behind center that they're forced to go to door number two, Bailey Zappi, door number three, Malik Cunningham, maybe even door number four, Will Greer, and then go to Mac Jones. I, I, I could envision that based on what they have in that quarterback room right now. But my guess is we've seen the end of the Mac Jones era in New England. Okay, not just for 2023, but also for 2024. So the new regime... If it is Gerard Mayo and Bill O'Brien, if it's somebody else, even though this kid has one year at controllable cost on his rookie contract, even though he's a first round pick in 2021, even though we've seen him play at decent levels, really even not that long ago, he beat the Buffalo Bills. Okay, might, might be damning with faint praise, but we saw a good game from him. But can't have him. Can't have him here in 2024. Not even as a bridge, not even as a Drake May or Jaden Daniels cannon fodder human shield until they're ready my guess is i know whoever the next regime is my guess is they think he can be fixed but they think if it happens it will be somewhere else yeah and so that's i think 
the approach that they'll take. And so I don't know if that means, Tom, do they wait until they know for sure they got the draft pick they want? They know for sure they got the free agent they want that can play quarterback. Do they wait until all that happens to part ways with Mac Jones? Or do they do it even sooner or help him find a job maybe a little bit earlier, say thanks for your service, Mac? Good luck wherever you end up. I don't know. But my guess is he's not going to factor into their plan significantly at quarterback next year. That not that fascinating to, to you when you think about it? You know, the Jets will eventually cut ties with Zach Wilson the way they did with Sam Darnold. And when they do, they'll say, he stinks. He's not a good player. He never played well for us. He couldn't do it. And wherever he goes, he's probably not going to be good there either. Whereas the Patriots, I think organizationally, there's a large segment in the highest reaches of that organization who are going to say, he's going to go someplace and be pretty good. We know that. It's not because he stinks. It's a variety of reasons of which he shares some culpability, but he's not a bad quarterback. And that's wild. They're going to get rid of a, a quarterback who's not a truly bad quarterback because the circumstances made it completely untenable to, for him to remain geographically in the New England region. And wouldn't it be something if over the course of four years or so, you have Tom Brady leave and play well. You have Bill Belichick maybe leave and, and coach a decent team. And you have Mac Jones leave and uh, say he ends up as a backup in San Francisco and Brock Purdy goes down and Mac Jones ends up winning seven games as a number two in San Francisco. It just, it's, it's not ideal, but I, I think you have to look at it, whether you're the Kraft family or whoever's running the football operation here next year, you just have to understand when the battle is over. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's something Brady used to say all the time, right? You, you just you have to know when to go down. You have to know when to say no mas. And I think we've reached that point with Mac Jones here in New England. Yeah, it, but it's it's amazing because whoever they bring in as their backup for 2024, 2025, if they're replacing Bailey Zappi, and you, you have to have an upgraded backup and you have to have an upgraded starter. But the backup's not going to be better than Mac Jones. I really don't think that'll be the case. So you're going to say goodbye to a player who is better than the guy you're bringing in because he's, it's polluted. It's toxic. It's got to end. Speaking of got to end, this podcast does. I hope you guys enjoyed it. That was, uh, you know, we wanted to get into that. So we took a different direction than we're still going to go. And I think we learned some stuff, hopefully. Phil, goodbye. Bye.